everyone, to Monday Night Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson, along with Tim the King Jensen. Folks, if you ever thought of changing over to watch the March Madness Tournament, just hold the phone, because the real madness is here tonight, live at the TD Place Arena in Ottawa, Canada. The hottest one hour in sense podcasting. Tim, Ottawa's junior hockey team may be called the 67s, but this crowd tonight is at 100 right now. The exciting action ahead of us tonight. The way these fans react is you would have thought Alex Marchand was in the booth for a Memorial Cup game. An absolute fire burner on the card this evening. The tag team action of the Sabres, Chuckamania, Rolling South, Florida's Finest, and the main event, the Fight Busters versus the Blue Shirts. A scorcher of a card here tonight for sure, Tim, for tonight's Monday Night Sensecast. Now, without further ado, let's send it to center ice to get this action started. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Monday Night Sensecast edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty darn good, and I'm amped up to have a pretty darn good episode this week, don't you think? Absolutely, man. You know, and given last week's episode, which I was firing at all cylinders, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling amped, because after all, Tim... It is Monday Night Sensecast. And we got some help. We've got actually even three very good games to talk about. Oh, absolutely, man. And I mean, even a win against the Leafs. Again. Oh, too funny, too funny. Oh, it's good stuff. So, Tim, let's get this episode started on the right foot. This is Season 2, Episode 25, in chronological order. Episode 53, The... Ilya Zuboff episode. So, do you have any memories of Ilya Zuboff? I remember him coming up, and uh, that's about it. And just kind of appearing in NHL games. That's pretty much how I know him. By I remember him in like NHL 07 for the PS2, thinking, "God, he, that guy is ugly." Oh, no need to be mean. Well, I'm not trying to be mean, but I just look at him and be like, "Ooh, ooh, mm." So, Tim, as we usually do, it's time to talk about some facts about Ilya Zuboff. He was drafted 98th overall in 2005 by the Ottawa Senators. A draft pick we got from the St. Louis Blues for Patrick Willeem, former cover athlete. Huh. I yeah. actually didn't know that. Yeah, actually, I totally, I didn't even realize that myself. He played four seasons in Russia before making the Binghamton Senators for the 2007-2008 season. Overall, in his three seasons, he scored 29 goals, 61 assists for 90 points with the Binghamton Senators. He went on to play 11 games for the Ottawa Senators, recording two assists, before returning to the KHL in 2009, where he currently plays for Moscow Spartak. Also, he's not even on the stacked Moscow team. That's a shame. He's not even on the stacked Moscow team that's not allowed to lose. That's true. But you know what? Maybe if uh, Putin was a fan of Sparkak, maybe they would be stacked too, Tim. Whom's to say? Exactly. So let's talk about next week, because next week is Season 2, Episode 26, in chronological order, Episode 54. We don't have a cover athlete for next week, because there has not been one player in the Ottawa Senators history who has worn number 54. I find that very surprising. But, yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess 
gives us more time to be retrospective. For sure. Now, just a quick heads up for everybody for next week's episode, because we were talking about the cover athlete. Uh, we're going to be changing the format a bit next week. Now, usually with top of the hour, we usually have top of the hour. We talk about our week. We talk about all the good stuff at the beginning of this episode. We've decided, because it is our season finale, that we are going to do something different. We're going to talk about our favorite moments from the second season as well, we are going to give our first round playoff predictions. Ooh, watch us be entirely and incredibly wrong. I know. Yeah, be ready for the all the hot takes and wrong predictions that you'll ever want, guys. Mm-hmm. So with I that can't. out of the way, Tim, I've got to ask the all-important question that I'm sure all of our listeners want to know. How has your week been? Been interesting, but overall pretty good. Uh, my S, my phone randomly died on Sunday, so I went went out and bought a new one. Oh, yeah, what kind of phone did you get? I ended up getting the new uh, Samsung S Galaxy S10 Plus. Okay. Uh, it's a cool phone, honestly. Uh, it's got it's got quite nice cameras. The speakers are actually really nice on it, so I've been pretty happy with that. Also, not sponsored. <laughs> No, not at all, Tim. We don't even have a sponsor. Isn't it magical? It's true. But I'll tell you one thing, Tim. If we were sponsored, we would be sponsored by a delicious brew that I'm drinking from Riot Brewing in Shemanus, British Columbia, which unfortunately is going out of business. Really? That's a shame. I know. It's funny. Like I went, I'm drinking a Lipside Lager. Actually, it's pretty tasty, to be honest with you. And I went out to the liquor store there on Saturday night before I, before I came home from work. And I picked up the box because I wanted to have some Keith's. But they only had an 8-pack, and it was like 18 bucks. Oh, Jesus. So I'm like, no, that's not happening. So I decided to go with the delicious Lipside Lager. And I put it up on the counter, and the lady told me. She goes, hey, you know that those guys are going out of business, right? And I was like, wow, really? She's like, yeah, apparently money issues. Well, that's a shame. Although, I find it a little surprising because breweries have tended to do quite well in the Cowichan Valley. Like, uh, I think it's Red Arrow just south of Duncan there is doing quite well. Mm-hmm, because, I mean, we have Red Arrow in Duncan, Riot is in Shimanus, but I don't know. I mean, you would think that at least Riot would have done a little bit better business given that it's on the main drag. It's right next to a a brand new, um, not a strip mall, but it's sort of like a shopping area. So there's like a restaurant, there's a grocery store, there's, there's a gym, there's a whole kinds of uh, new buildings in there, and they were part of it. So I'm really kind of surprised that they are they have gone under. But you know, it's a shame. I've only been in there once, and I actually got a really funny story because I actually went in there with my buddy for his birthday. And there was a crackhead hanging out in the smoke pit. And he wasn't harassing us, but he was just sort of hanging out and being a, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it was weird. He was just sort of hanging out and we're looking at the, we're like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And then we went and we told the lady behind the bar, we're like, uh, yeah, there's that dude hanging out in front. He's like, ah, not him again. Again? (laughs) Yeah, apparently like. The night prior, he had spent a night in jail. Huh. Yeah. 
So that's Shimanus oh. for you guys. There's one thing I forgot about. Uh, I didn't go into work on Friday. I saw your tweet. Now, I understand that you put up a poll. And I do yeah. appreciate the choices. But I will ask, though, Tim. Did your Friday involve Pornhub and Scotch? No, it was uh, Grand Theft Auto. Made some white decks, watched some cartoons. But when I figured out what happened, it was honestly kind of surprising. So it turns out that someone, I think someone intended to send a bomb to one of the chemical offices that's above us in the building. Really? Yeah, I'm really not sure. Like, we haven't really learned anything much more about it. At first, when I heard the bomb, there was a bomb threat in the building and not to go to work, I was like, oh, someone's pissed off about mortgage insurance. But part of it was also, it took a while. So they evacuated the building, but you kind of know where in Calgary my work is, right? Actually, I don't, to be honest with you. I know that you live in uh, downtown Westside, but I I don't know where you work. So my office is about a block from where I live. So remember, you know that part where the, like the two train lines separate, one going north, one going west? Yep. My office is across the road from that. So when they evacuated this thing and had the police come in, they had to cut off that entire, like that entire corner. Really? So that shut down the C train throughout all of Calgary. Ooh. Oh, that is brutal. So from the north end, you had to stop at Sunnyside, then take a bus into downtown. Ouch. And then buses were running again from City Hall. So they had to shut down. Like, the C-Train had to be shut down all the way down 7th Avenue. Just because of that threat? Just because... No, it wasn't a threat. A package showed up. So they brought in the bomb squad. Did you stick around to see if they were going to blow some shit up? I didn't even go. You were just like, woo! three-day weekend. Pretty much. Don't need to tell me twice. Exactly. Yeah... Could you imagine it would be one of those things where it's like, uh, Tim, everybody gets going back in the building. Nope, three-day weekend. Nope, Tim, Tim, you need to come back. No, three-day weekend, guys. Well, what's magic is, because I work from home, right, so, but that day, I forgot my, I forgot my VPN key in the office, so I couldn't even work if I wanted to. Oh, shitty deal, man. Eh, it happens. Yeah. But I got to, like, I got to smash a bunch of cars together and then shoot down police helicopters with a rail gun. It's fun, man. I, I actually really like Grand Theft Auto V. And I know that when it first came out, everybody talked about it and everybody played it. And it seemed like as years go on, even though the game is still popular, I think more and more opinion is more on the negative side of that game. Where it's like, you know, they loaded they loaded the game with so much content that it's really feels kind of empty if that makes any sense it's a hard balance to strike though because like i remember like just driving through los santos it's kind of funny how like you go from like nothing to city to nothing again if you're just on the highway so it's a hard it's a really hard balance to strike and i don't mind that they put a lot of stuff in there gives me a lot a lot of fat to chew on true but i mean but you have a lot of content in that that you know, I'll be honest, I've beaten the game four times. I've never golfed, I've never played tennis, and I've never done yoga that had nothing to do with the story. Tennis is actually because you just drop shot guys in the nuts, but 
I haven't tried the golf, but I do shoot up the golf course. So I'm glad that they gave me that option. Like the parasailing, hang gliding, a lot of that stuff's really fun. So it's like there's a lot of fun stuff to do. I I wonder how, I guess I wonder how much of what they put in was just a limitation of the consoles. True, but I mean, but then again, the game was also made for PC as well. So you have to imagine that they have to try and fit all that, not only on PC, but the consoles as well, right? Well, the big thing is, is like, once you get onto the PC, if you're a good programmer, the sky's the limit of what you can include. Mm-hmm. But it's, you have to be compatible with the console versions. What I, it'll be interesting to see what they do for Grand Theft Auto 6. Like, is there going to be more buildings you can't go into or about the same amount of buildings, but more interior space to fuck around in? I don't know. It would be interesting. I would be actually interested to see where they set Grand Theft Auto 6 because I've read articles online that say they might bring it back to Vice City, which I think would be great. I would love to see Vice City in 4K. Like, because I mean, I remember back in the day playing Vice City on the PS2 thinking, man, it will never get better than this. And then San Andreas came out, and I thought the same thing. And then 4 came out. Okay, you know, in fairness, 4 kind of sucked, but that's not the point. The point is, you know, I would play, like, the newest and think, man, it's not going to get better than this. Then the next one comes out, the next one comes out, and it's like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, I think Vice City is the next one due up because 4 was Liberty City. Mm-hmm. 5 was San Andreas. So I guess Miami... Miami seems the logical next choice. Yeah, even though there is talk about, and they might do it in other cities, they might do it in London, because that's where the original Grand Theft Auto games were based out of. They might do it in Tokyo, which doesn't really make any sense, because games like the Yakuza games and Sleeping Dogs were based in Tokyo. So I don't know know why they would want to go that route with Grand Theft Auto. But I also hear that Paris might even be an option. I don't know, I think if they did, like, Texas or, like, a Texas city like Houston or Dallas would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Or just go to, like, Minnesota. Well, they already sort of did that with uh, North Yankton. True. And then, like, Seattle or Portland would be probably, they're different from... Los Santos, but I don't think it would be appreciably so. No, I think they, it would be more like uh, Liberty City. I think it would be more like that, where it's sort of dark and gloomy. I mean, it would be really random if they threw it in a city like Hartford. Or, or what about somewhere like Cincinnati or fucking Baltimore? Or even Boston? Boston or what? Like, a fake capital city like Washington would be really fun. And I think that the GTA writers are, are revenant enough to go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see, like, yeah, there's a lot of untread ground, to be sure. Yeah, and I mean, hell, even if they do it in, say they go to Tokyo, they could even go to uh, the electric town in Tokyo. Oh, Akihabara? Yeah, Ikihabara, that would be kind of cool. Although, I wonder if they could do Tokyo better than uh, a Japanese developer could. Because the Yakuza games get it. Like, it's great. Like, they have a very good eye for detail for just absurd shit for each subculture. Mm-hmm. Like, they have you playing, like, strip Mahjong in one of them, which is a thing. No, I I, I would believe that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just... 
have very stiff competition, and I'm not sure if American, like the very American British type of satire that the GTA games employ, would fit as well in a Tokyo narrative. True, as, especially if, although if they got a lot of people familiar with Tokyo, it probably wouldn't be too bad. That's true. Because remember, you were telling me about that one anime that they sent the was it the writers to like Ottawa, and they got like the. What was it you were telling oh, they, me? You were saying they that send them you... to Boston. They send them to Boston, and then somewhere random, and then Vancouver. And uh, they got like this lovingly detailed depiction of like Harvard campus, the T station, Logan Airport, and then for some reason they had like the Hollywood fucking freeway. And then they went to a goddamn superstore. Yep. And it was like. A lovingly depicted superstore, including like the green interior. Oh, it's true. I don't think I think superstores are kind of getting away from that though nowadays because they're they're refurbishing all the stores. Yeah, they're moving towards the red, white, and blue motives. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting what you could do. No, I'd be happy to see what what they come up with. Absolutely. So, Tim, I think we've gotten all that we can out of Grand Theft Auto Talk. So, let's segue into talking about our previous week's episode because I felt it was pretty good. And it's funny because last week's episode, I didn't play hockey. I, I did work out. So, there's a lot of things, like, for me, I have to do sort of to get ready to do the show. Which includes, uh-huh. I have to nap and either skate or work out or do whatever. But since we're working on our fence... Which, we've gotten the fence down and we've got the chain link around our property. So we've got that done. And that's what all I was doing last Monday. Before we came on. So it was like 15 minutes before I had to start recording is when I came in. And I was ready to go. Uh Which is really weird because I was like, man, like I was really doing well there this week. Uh And I felt we had a lot of good chatter and top of the hour got a little feisty, but that's what makes it fun. That's true, because you know what, Tim? After next week, we're not going to be doing Top of the Hour or any of that stuff for five to six months. It's a little sad. Yeah, even though we do have our summer episodes coming. We'll have to come with some fun shit for that. We do, yeah. We're going to have some summer episodes. You know, we might even play some fun games on the show. And, you know, we might even throw in an interview. You never know. Crazy stuff. Although, well, I think we'll have to come up with a new game for free agency. What are you thinking? Like a Jeopardy sort of game? Maybe. Although Price is Right did work out quite well. The Price is Right worked out well, and I th- and it's funny because it was a really good idea, but I don't think we really had it all put together when we did it. We were just sort of like, okay, I, I guess this is what we're doing now. Yeah, well, we can refine it. We can refine it. For sure. Even though it is going to be a little different not having Chelsea out at the corner of my eye clapping. She's like, yes, I'm going to end up winning here. She can still be on the phone being like, yeah, I'm going to win. <laughs> just hear her out of the – just hear her in the background going, oh, I'm so going to win. Oh, it's going to be great. For sure, man. So with that out of the way, Tim, let's segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the hour. Okay, Tim, let's start off top of the hour. Not with a death. Not with a marriage, a birth, or anything. 
But it is kind of a sad story, though. CBC has announced that the Leafs-Canadiens game on April 6th will officially be the final broadcast for legendary broadcaster Bob Cole. Cole began working for Hockey Night Canada in 1973 when they decided to expand its coverage, serving as the primary play-by-play man on CBC, usually working Maple Leafs games from 1980 to 2008 until he was replaced by Jim Hewson. Now, for us Canadians, Bob Cole has been the voice of hockey for so many years and generations have grown up on him. It's kind of like in the States where especially in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, where somebody like Gary Thorne, who I still think is a great broadcaster, and I will be very sad when he passes away, he was the voice of hockey for a lot of Americans, and Bob Cole was the voice for a lot of Canadians watching hockey. Mm -hmm. Or like Woody in the UK. Yeah. Like, oh, I forget the man's name now, but it was, there's a very particular voice when you watch Premiership football. It's like, yep. Did he also do the FIFA games as well? He did. Oh my god, I think I know exactly who you're talking about too. Yeah, it's, we're losing a great, and I think I'll probably tune into that game just to hear his voice one last time. It's true, man. And you know, I actually was looking up some stuff on YouTube about him, because there's a lot of moments that he called. He called the final game at Maple Leaf Gardens, which, by the way... I cannot believe that back in February, I failed to mention that it would have been 20 years to the day Maple Leaf Gardens closed down. It's been that long? Holy. Yeah. And do you want to know who actually scored the final goal in that building? It's going to be something ridiculous, isn't it? Bob Probert. Really? Yep. He said that in his book, too. He said that, you know, that he... What did he say in his book? He said that he collects a lot of stuff, but the more the longer he went into his hockey career, he wanted to start collecting hockey memorabilia for his kids, and that puck that he actually got from the final get from the final game at the Gardens. That's fucking cool. Yeah, man. Like it is going to be very very sad when he retires, and you know, let's just say, like, say what you will about Jim Houston. I think Houston is a very good commentator. He is a bit of a homer, given that he's the primary play-by-play man for the Leafs. But as a youngster growing up watching the Canucks, I always associate him as the voice of the Canucks. Same with, like, John Shorthouse or Jim Robson or, or some of these Wilson. guys. Yeah, so... Like, what well, the sense, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's... I do feel a little bad for Jim Houston because he's got huge shoes to fill. And I guess he's been kind of doing it for the last 10 years, but... He's working next to a legend. Mm-hmm. And when Bob Cole was calling games, he used to have... Not Chris Cuthbert. Um, God, what is his name now? This is going to bug me. I can totally think of his name right now. He used to call uh, games with him all the time. He He was doing the Sabres for a while there, too. It wasn't Harry Neal. Harry Neal, that's who it was. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I remember they did, Bob Cole and Harry Neal did the call for uh, NHL 10. No, they didn't. They didn't? No. I thought they did. Who am I thinking of now? NHL 10? No, I think that was uh, Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Because up until like a few years ago, 
Well, NBC, they usually had Eddie Olchek when they went over with the NBC guys. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, when NBC started doing the NHL games, yeah, it was, uh, like, Doc Emmerich and Eddie Olchek for the games now. Oh, it was Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. Ooh, yeah, that was a good one. That brings back some feels. They did, they, they did a really good job, I thought. Mm, absolutely. I have always loved Gary Thorne's voice, man. He has a great... I really wish that he would come back to hockey, to be honest with you. Enough of this baseball stuff. Come back to hockey, Gary. Come on. Come on. We need you. Yep. we got to give a really big shout-out to a couple of people, though. Washington Capitals forward Alexander Ovechkin recorded his eighth 50-goal season, becoming the third person 33 years or older to hit 50 with only Yarmer Yager and Johnny Busick being the other two who have hit it, while also passing Brendan Shanahan for 13th overall for all-time goals with 657. He's gonna be he's gonna be Gretzky. Well, you know what Gretzky said that actually Gretzky said this is probably about 10 years ago. Somebody asked him, "Is there anybody you think that would hit break his 92 goals a season?" He said, "Yeah, Ovechkin." Yeah, like the man's on a mission, and if he's if he's scoring like this and he has a, like even four more good years, he's going to be close. Yeah, it's going it's to be really good, man. Thing. Like, you know what, Ovechkin, man, he's always been one of my favorite guys. And when he retires, I am going to be really, really bummed out. Yeah. Well, he's been playing since we were in middle school, for God's sakes. I know. Because he, well, his rookie year was the year that. You and I first met. Yeah. And it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Not the year of the rainbow soup. That was the year after, but, you know, close enough. Uh, yep. Another big shout-out to Boston Bruins defenseman said Daniel Chara, who recorded his 200th goal versus the Florida Panthers. Chara stated after the game that he would like to dedicate the goal to his dad, who brought him to hockey and was always very supportive. That's super cool. And that's going to be a weird... Like, it's going to be weird to see Chara hang up the skates. For sure, because... You know, for us, because we're of a certain age, we remember as kids during the Battle of Ontario because Chara played in all those years. Like, he was playing... No, uh, 2000 he didn't play, 2001 he didn't play. So yeah, 02 and 04 he played in. And my main memory, and I've always said this, my main memory is to Jane O'Chara as an Ottawa Senator... Was when he when he was tossing Brian McCabe around. Well, it's just fucking insane too. Because like you've got this beast of a man just beating down on a guy. Like holy shit. I know. Yeah, it's gonna be really sad the day that he retires, though. I don't know. I think it's it's gonna be a shame that we won't be able to see someone that someone who was tall enough to accident to force exceptions for NHL stick length, not be playing anymore. But, I don't know, you just got to appreciate what his career has been. Absolutely. Now, we do have a very sad and unfortunate story we got to talk about. And, actually, you brought this up to my attention yesterday, and this is why we're going to talk about it here on Top of the Hour. The Canadian Women's Hockey League has announced that they will effectively fold on May 1st after 12 seasons due to economically unsustainable business model. It's hard because you had two leagues going at the same time. 
And when you're already not getting the eyeball share that the NHL gets, you're not going to be able to stick around. No, and I mean, it is tough because, again, women's hockey, they've always struggled to find their place. And now it's different in international hockey because women's, like women's hockey at times has been superior to the men's. I mean, look at 98, right? You look at Team Canada, the men's were fourth. You know, we had the super team. We had Gretzky and Lindros and Iserman and Sackick and all these big superstar Hall of Famers. And Team Canada won silver for the women's. Yeah. And then they went on that run where they won four straight gold medals. Mm-hmm. It's hard, though, because, like, then you go back to the NHL, and it's like, I think it's, the hockey is, you watch, and you can definitely see what the difference of going from, uh, how do I say this without being really offensive? Like, you can definitely appreciate the physical difference. And I mean this from, like, the ability to accelerate and hit top notches and just wire pucks. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also got to factor in, and I agree, like, I understand you're not trying to be offensive, and I'm not taking it as that, but there is a big difference between the men's and the women's hockey where, and no knock against women's hockey at all, but you have guys who are six, six, one, six, two, over 200-something pounds, you know, who could really rip it as hard as they can, and a lot of women who play hockey... You know, they're not 200 pounds, they're 160, 170, but they're really good shape. They can really motor. It seems like women's hockey seems to be more of a finesse game than the men's where it's all about the physicality mixed with the athletics. But I think the the men's game over the last few years has become very finesse as well, right? Like you've got the Angels move to a very very fast skill-based thing where where we saw the end of the grinder. And I think that that's also taking away some of the niche that women's hockey had. Mm-hmm. So it's a very difficult market for women's hockey to navigate. And it's kind of like the WNBA, right? Yeah, but the WNBA, they have their own niche and they have their own market and they have a very dedicated hardcore fan base. Mm-hmm. And and obviously the NBA is the NBA when it comes to media coverage and the eyeballs that it attracts. But I also think in the for the CWHL is that the teams that are in Canadian NHL cities, uh, most notably Calgary, because I was reading an article where somebody was saying that the Calgary Flames were not, not to say they weren't happy with the Calgary Inferno being in their building using their jerseys, but there was some something going on where they were charging more rent or whatever. I, can't, I I'll have to bring it up here and comment on it. But I mean, that just kind of sucks. And I know that the other women's mm-hmm. hockey league, somebody was. I think there was an article on like the Athletic or uh, SB Nation or one of these blog sites where they said that the W or the NWHL should start including Canadian franchises as well, because the W NWHL is only American. Yeah. And I think 
having two leagues was it was completely unsustainable and one of them was going to have to go. Yeah, and I mean, you could even look back in the day when the the IHL, but even the WHA, where the (laughs) WHA knew they weren't going to get the top talent, so they went after the the enforcers, the grinders, the guys who maybe weren't the most talented, but they could fight every night, and that's what attracted the the fans. And obviously after seven seasons, it turned out it wasn't, the sustainability wasn't there, and they ended up folding. Yeah, and it's just... I'm a little surprised that the CWHL and the NWHL coexisted for as long as they did, just given how small of a pie they were fighting over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a tough situation. And as somebody who likes professional wrestling, I mean, you could look at what's going on in wrestling right now, where you have like the WWE is the company here in the in the United States and North America, but you have other promotions. Like you have Ring of Honor, you have TNA, you have New Japan, and now AEW is starting up. And AEW is taking all of these stars from these other promotions and they're going to go head-to-head against WWE. But it's different uh-huh. because obviously w, like wrestling is a niche for sure, but they have a very dedicated, very hardcore fans. And a lot of people have just started turning off on WWE because the product's not good. Really? Oh, the product's awful right now. And it it pains me to say it because, you know, I will be the first to admit, I haven't really watched a ton of WWE lately. But what I I have seen, it just seems like the female performers are a lot more entertaining and they're a lot – the characters are better. Than there with the men's like WrestleMania is going to be, I think next weekend, and the main event is a three-way women's match. Odd, but I think it's hard because like we're probably seeing some of the best NHL action we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. So like I think that's like it was a really rough situation for women's hockey to begin with, and it's interesting because you've got Pierre LeBrun coming out and suggesting that the NHL should be subsidizing the whatever women's hockey league is the successor. Honestly, I I didn't even see that tweet. Was it LeBrun? I thought it was LeBrun. Maybe it wasn't, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird proposition Mm -hmm. because if the NHL is subsidizing the NWHL, you're basically admitting that women's hockey can never be as successful as men's hockey. Therefore, a cross subsidy is required. For some sort of equity reason. Well, and that's a shitty thing to imply. It is, but you know what? Is that, again, as we've said, men's hockey and women's hockey are so different. That's that's not taking away anything from the female players. Like they're com- no. Obviously, the athleticism is there. The speed is there. The physicality is there. But you're going up against the NHL. Now, if women's hockey want to do their own thing where they have their own market and they just don't try and go head-to-head against the men's hockey, because, and I I don't want to sound sexist, but if that happens, men's hockey will eat them alive because of the big fan base that they have. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's kind of, it's the same situation with the NBA versus WNBA. If you're trying to market and WNBA to NBA fans, you're not going to get it because 
WNBA is a different game. And if I remember correctly, they play with they play with a longer shot clock and a small. Do they play with the small? Is it the smaller ball or the lower net? I can't remember which the two it is. I'm not too sure, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, it's like it's it's a different game, and you wouldn't get NBA fans on board. True. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there, man. It's it's a shitty situation for them, and you know, hopefully the NWHL will include some of the CWHL teams and they can form and make that league even stronger. Mm. And I think like the Calgary Inferno where that's an obvious business case because if I remember correctly, Inferno are actually, or at least they they were solvent on their own. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a market for women's hockey. For Maybe sure. just not Canada only. True. Let's go into our next story. The French Ice Hockey Federation has issued a three-year suspension to Canadian-born defenseman Holden Anderson after he viciously assaulted a player committed during a game on fellow Canadian Julien Desarose. The French League stressed that Desarose's injuries could have been more severe for their decision regarding the length of the ban. Now, it's funny enough, and I remember this because I, for whatever reason, I didn't include it on top of the hour. I think because we had like 25 or 26 stories and I was like, fuck, I don't want to just overload it. So, and I, mm. I kept it out, but I remember seeing that and my first reaction was, holy fuck, I can't believe that actually happened. Like, how bad was it? Because three years, just like, you've basically gone and killed is like, the career is done. And like, I'm, and, but for a league to even consider three years, it must have been fucking insane. Well, it, and I'll try and find it here on YouTube, but you know what? The thing is, is that, oh, how can, how do I describe this? It was like watching a UFC takedown where he grabbed him on the leg and he here. body slammed him under the ice. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah. Like he, the way he, it was a completely uncontrolled throw too. So like he could have broken the guy's back. Yeah. Like it, that's, oh, it was terrible. And I remember even, I think the goalie, if I'm not mistaken, went after yeah, the goalie him. Just right out yeah cause like that's the idea of like a like a throw from like Judah or something without any of the control mm-hmm. yeah no that's fucking nuts yeah it's a really shitty situation I'm, I am kind of surprised he got a three year ban if he had broken his neck I could have seen him getting just banned completely from the league but if they're trying to send a message like, hey, we will not tolerate stuff like this, then I'm fine with a three-year ban. A three-year ban is essentially a pure ban, though, hey? Yep, pretty much, man. So they basically said, we don't want to deal with this. Get out. Yep. Let's go on to our next story. The Washington Capitals visited the White House to meet with President Donald Trump for a photo op and a quick speech. Trump went on to praise Alexander Ovechkin, stating, with 64 goals, that's like Babe Ruth. He hit more than every player in the league. I was, I heard that, and I'm thinking, what? How in the fuck did he get elected again? Uh, really good marketing, but holy shit. Ovechkin scored 65 goals once? Ten years ago. Ten years ago, but like 64 is just such a random ass number. Yeah, it's almost like Donald Trump doesn't know who the Washington Capitals are, and somebody probably told him about it before they showed and he, up. And he just kind of misremembered it. Yeah. Like, it's funny because, like, 
the rest of the statement kind of makes sense, given that he's led for goals a shitload of times. Like, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Richards. Yep. So it's like, okay, the Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth analogy is apt, but where the hell did that 64 come from? I don't know. And I imagine that... That's a really yeah. It was a really weird number. I remember he, reading that and thinking, uh, okay, because I read the whole thing. Now, in fairness, I read the whole thing in Trump's voice, which made me giggle a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. And but he was going on about Babe Ruth, and he's like, you know, the you know players on the team might have been better, but he hit all those home runs. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it is old man ramble. Yeah. He's oh, not God, he's man. not the old man yells at clouds. He's like the racist old guy who decides to yell at immigrants to get off his lawn. And then like he goes back to his family and just rambles to them about uh whatever pie they had. No, let me just tell you, apple pie is the best. I mean, I know a lot of people like to say the peach pie is the best, but no, it's all about the apple. Greatest thing ever. Yeah. Make peach cobbler great again. <laughs> yeah, make the peach cobbler great again. Yeah, that was fucking weird. Yep. Let's go into our next story. Speaking of old man who yells at clouds, Washington Capitals forward Evgeny Kuznetsov responded to comments made by Don Cherry regarding his Flying Eagle celebration during his game-tying goal versus Tampa Bay last week. Kuznetsov stated, If he wants to say something, he can call me or he can meet me, but to call me a jerk on TV doesn't make him look good. While also stating, if he thinks he's good, he should check his record when he was coaching in the CHL and shut his mouth. Cherry went 11-47-6 and six in the 2001-2002 season with the Mississauga Ice Dogs. Yikes. Damn! I was like, wow, that is brutal. Oh, well done, sir. Fire. That's a fucking murder. Holy shit. Oh, that like, was so good. It was so good. I don't know. Grapes deserve... Like, Grapes deserves that, too. I know, but you know what I was thinking about, Tim? When I heard that... Yeah. His comments? <laughs> that's all I was thinking of. I was like, oh, boy, that's awesome. Yeah, holy fuck. Uh, you know what? And, you know, most of the time, I would look at Don Cherry's comments and say, you know, he kind of does have a point. And, you know, because a lot of his comments, especially with, like, the celebrations, his comments are made more in the vein of he doesn't want to show the other team up and it's all about sportsmanship. But the thing is, nowadays, you're trying to build the sport in the United States, especially in places like... Arizona or at most notably Carolina, right? With the uh, with a storm surge, so I'm uh-huh. really fine with that. If it's in a way that you're trying to grow the game, try to grow a game for a new generation. And while I don't think Grapes's comments are completely irrelevant nowadays, I do think he, a lot of his comments are. But you know, some of his comments he does make, and I do see where he's coming from, but. Again, it to me, I listen to some of his comments, and I just think of the that meme from The Simpsons of old man yells at clouds. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, people are having fun, and I don't think anyone 
like if you're doing silly celebrations, I don't think anyone takes them as unsportsmanlike. No. Unless you're like rubbing it in the opponent's face. Yeah, and that's I think that's where uh, Grapes' comments are more coming from, right? Where he no about rubbing it in and sportsmanship, and I like I'm not cool with it if say you have a five nothing lead and you start doing a celebration like that. Like that's just kicking a dead horse, and the other team rightfully would be pissed. But you know what? If they're having fun, I say go for it. I, I and I know even Mark Borvieski has stated, you know that Grapes has a lot of comments, but you know what? He's perfectly cool with the celebrations. Yeah, and the celebrations look—they're fun. I know, much like the Carolina Hurricanes and their storm surge. Hey, speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes forward Justin Williams tweeted that regardless of the outcome of the Hurricanes' last home game of the season, the Hurricanes' post-game celebration of Storm Surge will not continue in the playoffs as they begin focusing on making the postseason as the battle has intensified. I get it, because those celebrations probably take a bit of effort to set up. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. Focus on the playoffs. Yeah, but truthfully... They they have been the best part about the Carolina Hurricanes this year. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that Carolina is probably back into the playoffs as well helps yeah. a lot. It does, and I mean, and you and we've seen for years that the Carolina Hurricanes attendance has been fl- floundering more and more and more as time has gone on. I mean, coming into this season, they hadn't made the playoffs in eight years. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, and you know it's even more nuts given that it was only in the last 15 years that they won a Stanley Cup. Well, it's weird how like they just kind of wilted. I think wilted is the best word for it. Because mm-hmm. they, they won that Stanley Cup in 2006 and then never did anything after that. No, and actually there's a YouTuber I watch. Uh, his channel is Odd Man Rush. And he does a lot of hockey videos, and he did one, what do you do? There was a segment he does called Champs to Chumps, and he talked about the Carolina Hurricanes from 2006 to nowadays. And he does go into quite a bit of detail on what actually happened with them and how that ended up happening. Is it Joe Corvo? It's not Joe Corvo, no. No, he also did one of the LA Kings as well. Well, the LA Kings, they just decided that they were going to play uh, NHL 12 and nothing else. Yep. True enough. Actually, speaking of the LA Kings, Tim, LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty went off on a number of players during a media scrum. Doughty first went off about Calgary Flames forward Matthew DeChuck saying he has no respect for him because Matthew is not respected by most of the people in the league. Doughty also took a shot at Sharks defenseman Brent Burns by stating... All you've got to do is watch one Sharks game and you'll see Brent Burns gets beat three times a game. Everybody has him up for the Norris. I just don't get it. So I just want to quickly talk about Drew Doughty because, as you recall, Tim, we did our top five current slash all-time favorite players. And I mentioned I put Anze Kopitar on my list of the current players. And I gave my reasoning of why I put Kopitar and not Doughty because... Over the last couple of years, I've really soured on Drew Doughty because Doughty, I've always thought, was a great player, a really good defenseman, and he's, it just seems like a really happy-go-lucky guy. But the last couple of years, you look at his antics on and off the ice, and you're thinking, 
You know, Drew, you're just a fucking crybaby. Like, Jesus Christ. Remember last year in the playoffs, he went off about the Vegas Golden Knights fans after they flipped him off? And that's like... You mean after he got suspended and then his team got swept? Well... Yeah. And, you know, you, you have that, you have this. And it's just like, you know... And I understand that somebody like even a Sidney Crosby, who was known to whine and complain a lot in his first couple of years... But you could always say that his talent, you know, his talent trumped that, right? You know, you, you have the talent that it sort of overcomes all the whining he does. I don't think Drew Doughty has it. He's a very talented player, but his antics don't make up for the fact that he is not a generational talent, in my opinion. No, and it's frustrating. It's really sad because you see this guy who, uh, when he's no longer the kind of darling boy... He gets jealous. Like, why else is he lashing out at Brent Burns? And Matthew DeChuck. Now, in fairness, he does have a lot of merits when it comes to Matthew DeChuck because Matthew DeChuck is a real pain in the ass to a lot of people, especially in that Pacific Division. And I remember even, um, excuse me, a few weeks ago, I was watching a Vegas Golden Knights-Calgary Flames game, and Matthew DeChuck ran Marc-Andre Fleury, and a big brawl happened. Yeah, it's kind of fucky. It is kind of fucky. So I do understand Drew's... Like, I do get it. Especially when he's talking about Matthew DeChuck. Because he is such a pain in the ass. And his style play is not very respected by a lot of people. His comments from Brent Burns, as you were saying... He does sound like he's really jealous. Given that, you know, you have Brent Burns who has getting all his attention for the Norse Trophy. And he's not getting it. And while, if you remember a few years ago, when Drew Doughty was getting all the attention for the Norris, Eric Carlson was a point-per-game player and didn't even win it. Yeah. You mean he got his Lifetime lifetime Participation Award? Yep. He got an eight, yeah, 82 points in 82 games, and Drew Doughty still ends up winning it. Yeah. I don't know. I... Yeah, it's... Drew Doughty kind of pisses me off. I know. It's it's a shame because, like I said, I always really liked Drew, but the last couple of years I've really soured on him. Mm-hmm. Let's go into our next story. Buffalo Sabres defenseman Rasmus Dolan did a long-form interview conducted in Sweden when he was asked where he would like to be traded to if things don't work out for him in Buffalo. Dolan did state, I want to stay in Buffalo. I'll answer like this. Anything but Toronto. That's actually really funny. Yep. So, only way you can really answer that. Because it's just kind of a shitty question. That's true. I mean, he hasn't even finished his rookie year yet. Why would you ask him a question like that? Yeah, and you know you're not going to get a real answer out of that unless the guy's, like, really ass pain. That's true. Like, you know, it's not like he's talking to, like, Spit and Chicklets or one of these guys where a lot of players are can be very honest with them. And you do get a lot of really good stories out of the players. But if you're just doing a long-form interview with, say, a magazine or a newspaper or whatever nowadays, or a blog, you know, you have to give the standard answer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the other thing about spinning chicklets is a lot of those guys are either close to the end of their career or done. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Although, I mean, they do have some guys who are in their rookie year. Like, they talked with Brady to Chuck this year. 
And actually, I got a chance to listen to that interview, and I kind of, I was like, there was a comment that Paul Bizanet made that kind of, kind of put me back a little bit because um, they were talking to Brady Tuchuk. Brady Tuchuk was trying to get a car in Ottawa, and he was kind of trying to look for a good deal. And Paul Bizanet says, "Well, you know, Paul, maybe if he says, you know, Brady, if you know, if somebody in Ottawa can give." Uh, Brady to chuck a good deal maybe you'll have to take their virginity to the back of your car I was like whoa dude like this kid's a rookie like what the fuck I know oh boy 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 actually I don't listen to all of Smith and Shekla's episodes I only listen to the interview bits Mm. the interview bits are pretty you know how I feel about this nasty yeah, and I, I do it because he has a real, like, the bro personality to him. But so does, yeah, Ray, Whit- not a- yeah, but so does Ray Whitney, though. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into our next story. Former Flyers GM Ron Hextall appeared on Sportsnet's Hockey Central and News Panel, where he criticized the Flyers for their handling of rookie goalie Carter Hart after he was fired in November. Hextall stated he doesn't believe that a kid who has a chance to be a top guy should be the back of the NHL instead of being the number one guy in the American Hockey League. You know, he does have a very good point here because what good can you do as a backup? Especially to a backup, say, a Cam Talbot who was so cooked in Edmonton that he comes to Philadelphia as a shell of once he as he once was instead of playing him in the minor leagues where yes, the talent isn't exactly NHL caliber, but you know what? You're getting your reps in, you're getting your time on the ice in and you're getting a lot of time and work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I think Hextall is right. And I'm not surprised that a good goalie. And if I'm not mistaken, a goalie coach at one point would be keyed into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a bit of class missing. He just got fired. Maybe it's not the most appropriate time to say that sort of thing. True, but you know what? And the players that Ron Hextall has brought in is really starting to shape up in Philadelphia. And you see that there is something going on in Philly, even though they were eliminated from playoff contention for this year. But you know what? They're still maybe a year or two away from making the playoffs again. And it's all because of the draft picks, like Carhartt and some of the other guys that are in Philadelphia's farm system. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I'm not a big fan of the firing of Ron Hextall because I thought they were doing something good. So, it's annoying. But it is what it is. Yep. Well, you know what? There's not much we can do about that, Tim, unfortunately. Exactly. Stink, sticking with the Philadelphia Flyers, former Philadelphia Flyer and Hockey Hall of Famer Bernie Perrant finally got his day with the Stanley Cup 45 years after he won his first of back-to-back Stanley Cups in 1974. The tradition of each winner getting their own personal day with the Cup only goes back to 1995. Now, I did not know about that, that it only goes back to 1995, because you think of, like, think about it. Mario Lemieux never got his personal day with it. Wayne Gretzky never got it. Bobby Orr never got it. Guy Lafleur never... Well, actually, that's not true. Guy Lafleur kind of did. But you look at all these great Hall of Famer players who never got their day with the Cup. And here's Bernie Perrant 45 years after he won his first Cup. And he finally gets it. 
it's weird. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, I didn't realize the tradition was that recent. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also got to realize, like, the playoff beard was only started by the 1980 New York Islanders. Really? Yeah. Before that, like, playoff beards weren't a thing. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, but you know what? It is, it is great to see that a Hockey Hall of Famer like a Bernie Perrant is finally getting his day with the Cup, which only makes you wonder why Bernie Perrant would be the first guy they would do that with, not somebody like a Wayne Gretzky, who is widely considered to be the greatest of all time, or a Bobby Orr. I couldn't tell you. Maybe it was just a seniority thing. But no, that doesn't make sense because then Bobby Orr would be further down the list. Mm. Maybe he was the first guy to ask. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, who's to say? Yeah, because I think they did it with, uh, who do they do it with? Sportsnet or something, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So, Tim, do you want to start talking about cocaine? I love cocaine. Yes. Huh. I never saw that coming. Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers forward Yori Lithira has been found guilty of possession of six grams of cocaine and intent to purchase an additional gram. Lithira has been sentenced to four months probation. So do you know what that Some- means, Tim, that we talk about cocaine? Somebody's going to the NHL substance abuse program? Nope. Too soon, but all right. I don't think there's ain't much more to say about that. No, I mean it's not. To, to me, it's not nearly as funny as when, as you if you remember, uh, Yuri Hoodler did it. Remember, because he was drunk on an airplane, screaming at flight attendants, he wanted cocaine. No, I don't remember that at all. Really? No. Man, that's crazy. I can't believe you don't remember that. I'll have to look it up because that does, that sounds, it's like funny in the same way that David Hasselhoff eating a hamburger was funny and it's also kind of sad. Yeah. Very true, Tim. Let's go on to our next story. Fans of the Edmonton Oilers mocked CEO Bob Nicholson and his comments regarding Oilers forward Tobias Reeder during their game versus the LA Kings with a chance of let's go Reeder. Nicholson deserves it. Oh yeah, for sure. You don't shit on people like that. No, especially a fourth-line player. Yeah, no. That would be like, say, if Pierre Dorian was to do a meeting with the season ticket holders, and he says, you know, the season's going to shit and all this stuff, but you know who's to really blame for this? It's Magnus PRV. He's the real problem why uh, we are dead last in the NHL. It's not the fact that we traded away Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle... And we have really nobody good anymore. But that Magnus PRV, it's got to be his fault. Yeah, no. That's gross. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to our next story, Tim. Boston Bruins defenseman Tory Krug posted a video on his Twitter based on the scene in the movie Happy Gilmore in which Tory was happy and teammate Brad Marchant was the clown that spits out the ball at the mini golf course. I'm not going to lie. I laughed. 
Because it was funny. These guys have so much fun, and I love it. I know, and you know what's funny is after I saw that scene, I went and I rewatched Happy Gilmore for the first time in a long time, and I forgot how funny that movie really is. It's weird, because, like, uh, this weekend, uh, an Adam Sandler rap video came up, and I think it's fairly recent, about him carrying his phone, wallet, and keys, and that's all he needs. And it was fucking hilarious. It's like, there was that period in... Like, the late 2000s, early 2010s, where, like, everything Adam Sandler touched turned to crap. Yep. Like, grown-ups. But it made, like, grown-ups or click or anything like that. And it makes you forget how funny the guy actually was. Mm-hmm, because or he, it, well, that's the thing. Like, you look back at his days of the mid early to mid-90s when he was on Saturday Night Live. And he was in movies like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and... He did movies Patty like Shack. that, and while I don't think, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't think Billy Madison is all that funny. I do think the scenes with Chris Farley is hilarious as the bus driver, where he goes, "Everybody on, good, great, no yelling on the bus." <laughs> that part still cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, no, that's actually really funny. Mm-hmm. We got some signings. Yes, we do. Tampa Bay Lightning head coach John Cooper has been re-signed to a multi-year contract extension. Cooper, who was brought in after Guy Boucher got fired in 2013, has recorded a 302, 157, and 44 record at the time of the signing. So, you know, Tim, you remember how I was talking about spit and chiclets? And I actually listened to an interview with Matthew Barnaby last week. And he was talking about his time in Buffalo with Ted Nolan and he says, you know, he looks at somebody like John Cooper who, you know, you have all these superstars and he does such a great job at making all of them happy with giving them the ice time that they want. So I'm really fine with this signing because he's a great head coach for them. And at the moment, Tampa Bay could be winning their 60th game of the season versus Ottawa. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, you can't argue with uh, the success that John Cooper's brought and I wouldn't be surprised if he's adding a cup to that this year. Yeah. Or they're going to choke miserably and get knocked out in the first round. There, I it, doubt it. There, there will be no middle ground for this. Either he wins the cup or they're out in the first round. Yeah. Let's go on to our next signing. The Arizona Coyotes have re-signed Nick Schmaltz to a seven-year, $40.95 million contract with an AAV 5.85. Schmaltz has recorded five goals, nine assists for 14 points in 17 games for Arizona since being traded from Chicago. I'm not going to lie, Tim. I actually don't like this signing. Yeah, I'm surprised they went so long on the guy. Not just that, but the the cap hit for a guy who's only had one good year. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I think... I think they're betting that he's going to become like a second line center sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's only 22, so it remains to be seen. True, but, but yeah, but you know what? He, excuse me, but at the age that he is, and with that contract length, it's he's either going to be he's either going to be a great steal for Arizona, or he's going to flounder so badly that they're going to end up buying him out because. Again, you just don't know with a kid who's 22 years old playing in the NHL. I mean, look at Anthony Duclair. He's 23 years old right now for the Ottawa Senators, and he's doing fantastic for us. And none of us saw uh-huh. that coming. Yeah, no kidding. So it's 
it's a it's a lottery ticket for sure. That's why I'm surprised they signed them up. They signed up for it so long. Mm-hmm. I still think they screwed up by trading uh, Dylan Strom in the first place. Yep, and uh, Artem Panani as well. Yeah, no kidding. Yep, Philadelphia Flyers have re-signed forward Michael Raffle to a two-year, $3.2 million contract with an AAV $1.6 million. Raffle has recorded six goals, 12 assists for 18 points in 61 games for Philadelphia. Now, I actually like this signing because Raffle is the perfect third line, fourth line pairing winger. And I actually like the cap hit. It's a low risk, could be a high reward signing for Philadelphia. Well, the big the, the big thing with Michael Raffle is you play him in fourth line minutes, you get fourth line production, and the front of your net is clear. The only problem is he takes a lot of stupid penalties. But other than that, there's a lot to like about Michael Raffle, and getting him at sub 200 is quite nice. I'm sorry, getting him at sub 2 million is quite a deal. For sure. Let's go on to our final signing, and the final story for top of the hour for the for season two, Tim. Boston Bruins have re-signed Paul Carey to a two-year, $1.4 million contract with an AAV $700,000. Carey recorded 16 goals, 7 assists for 23 points in 23 games for the AHL's Providence Bruins. I can't remember. Did we sign Paul Carey at the beginning of the year? Mm, no, we traded him to Boston. Right. Right, right. Because he seemed like an interesting depth pickup. But then Binghamton was too good. I know. I know it's hard to believe that a Senators team would be too good, eh, Tim? Yeah. Hey, Drake the Snake plus Nick Paul is fantastic. Plus Shalapic. Plus Shalapic. Plus Brandstrom. Yep. Yeah, that, that team's fucking nuts. Yeah, plus Gustafsson. Plus Gustafsson. Hogberg. Well, Hogberg's really been tearing it up down there. He's probably the only reason, one of the big reasons that they are in a playoff, a playoff contending spot. Yeah. Well, Tim, that right. wraps up Talk of the Hour for Season 2, which means it's time to go on to the games. Now, we've got three games to talk about. We've got the Sabres versus the Senators, Panthers versus the Senators, and the fourth and final Battle of Ontario, Leafs versus Senators from Ottawa. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sabres versus the Senators. This is a four to nothing Senators victory. Sens goals were scored by Anthony Duclair, Brian Gibbons, Rudolph Balsers, and Magnus PRV. Shots were 35-31 for the Buffalo Sabres. Ottawa outplayed Buffalo for a majority of this game with their puck movement and scoring chances while being complemented by strong goaltending by Craig Anderson, who got the shutout and the win. So let's get right into it. Let's start talking about Craig Anderson. 35 saves with the shutout. It was great for to see him get a bounce-back game because... He made some. He had to make some saves in high pressure areas, but for the most part, a lot of the shots the Sabers sent his way were from the outside. Yeah, and you could tell that the Sabers really weren't on. Like the only reason they had such a high volume of shots was because Ottawa 
had taken their foot off the gas. And man, this like when this Buffalo team isn't playing their heart out, they're really pedestrian. Yeah, because remember earlier this year when they went on that 10-game winning streak and they were top of the East, and you're thinking, wow, Buffalo might actually do it. But I was always kind of cautious of them thinking, ah, I don't know how long if they can sustain it. And now you look at them and it's like, wow, really? Because Jeff Skinner has gone completely cold for them. And he was one of the main reasons that they went on that 10-game winning streak. Yeah, although it's Buffalo's defense has been kind of wonky too. Outside of Rasmus Dallin. Yeah, it's like, like I don't mind them up front. I think they need some tweaking for next year, basically. For sure. And they're still rebuilding, right? And I mean, I've said on the show, I still think they're maybe two, three years away from making the playoffs. But they're definitely heading in the right direction. They need a really good goalie. And they might need one or two pieces on defense. And maybe some stuff up front. But other than that, I mean, they've got a pretty solid core. They've got Alexander Nylander. They've got Rasmus Dolan. They've got... Who else do they got on that team? Well, Eichel, Skinner, obviously. So they have some really nice pieces, but it's all about putting it together and making it into a team. Pretty much. And this is... They won't... I don't think Buffalo is quite into the Edmonton situation yet. No, because, because it's only been four Buffalo, years since. Given, the- now, here's the thing. Given Buffalo's situation, Buffalo at least knows how to develop players. Edmonton, they just throw all their players against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and it's not like Edmonton knows how to draft. Yeah, unless it's like, you know, the first overall pick, and then they seem to get all these guys right. Yeah, and it's it really hasn't been that all that long since Buffalo nuked their kind of middling team from the from like 2000 because they were pretty solid from like 2006 to about 2011 pretty solid mm-hmm. so and they only nuked that fucker in uh 2014-2015 season so it's only been four years yep yeah remember the year that they decided to uh tank for Connor McDavid and ended up not winning Connor McDavid yeah God, can you imagine if Buffalo had won that draft? We would have been so fucked playing McDavid four times a year. Oh, God. And you have, like, halfway competent drafting around that? Buffalo would probably be in a playoff spot right now. A couple of guys I want to talk about. Thomas Shabbat, he had two assists. I really liked him in this game. I thought he looked really strong moving the puck. And even though he didn't really get a lot of shots off, the two assists he got made up for it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I liked Christian Willanen as well. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have him in my notes here, talking about Magnus PRV goal, where Gibbons spin around to Willanen, ended up feeding PRV. That was a nice goal. Mm-hmm. It's a shame I didn't get to watch this game, but it looks like it got pretty boring at the halfway mark. Yeah, it really... It was what it was, but, and I know this might surprise you, Tim. Do you know who actually did a thing in this game? Cody Cece. Ben Harper with five shots. How? I don't know. I didn't even really notice him in this game. I noticed he had, like, the one shot, but when I looked at the score sheet, I was like, he had five shots? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. But the final note I have to make here... And I can't remember which intermission it was, 
uh, Bruce Garriott was talking and the fan behind him screamed Melnick out. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, the guy ended up tweeting later on that the Canadian Tire Center is trying to ban him from future events now because of that. Yeah, that's kind of shitty. Yeah, it is. So, Tim, do you want to go on to talk about the next game? Of course. Panthers versus Senators. This is a 5-2 Panthers victory. Panthers goes to score by Jonathan Huberto with two, Evgeny Dandanoff, Troy Brower, and Trident Hunt. Sens goes to score by Colin White and Brady Chuck. Shots were 34-30 for Florida. Dandanoff scores on a deflection to make it 1-0 Panthers after the Senators coughed it up. Colin White scores to tie it at one with a goal scorer's goal. Troy Brower scores in the slot to make it 2-1 Panthers. Huberto pulls Nilsson out of position to make it 3-1 Panthers. DeChocomania scores to make it 3-2 Panthers. Trident Hunt scores on the empty net to make it 4-2. And Huberto gets a second on an empty netter to make it 5-2 Panthers. So I didn't actually get a chance to watch this game. Uh, no real reason, but I did get tense to the watch game. And there's a few notes I want to make. First of all, the Colin White goal. Like, that's a goal scorer's goal right now. He goes around the defenseman, and he puts it home. Yeah, and it's just amazing how he keeps his feet moving the whole way, hey? Mm-hmm. Like, his feet were – he never stopped. He wasn't gliding. You could see his move, feet were always moving on that play. Mm-hmm, and that's something that I feel like Colin White of last year wouldn't be doing. No, and that was always the criticism – of Colin White was that he sort of waited for the puck to come to him instead of him going to the puck. And when I watched him last year, my first reaction was, man, I don't know if this guy's going to become good or anything. And then coming into this year when they paired him with Tachak and Stone, that's when you really saw him blossom. Yeah. And I think he picked up a lot from, he picked up a lot from Stone and him and Brady Kachuk have some very good chemistry together. So I'm, I'm optimistic for both of those guys. Also, yeah. how many fucking shots did Brady Kachuk get? You know what's funny? That's the next note I have. Brady Kachuk, 12 shots, tying. Jason York for most shots in a game by an Ottawa Senator. Now, the previous record was 11 shots held by Eric Carlson, Danny Heatley, and Alexei Yashin on two separate occasions. Oh, Wow. That's, those are big names, especially Danny Heatley sit in the left circle and shoot. Yeah, that's all he had to do was just stand there and wait for Spets to give it to him. Well, that was that was a, a very special time in the NHL where Jonathan Chichu could score 60 goals. Hey, he scored 56. But seriously. I know. It's a magical it time where Jonathan Chichu scored 56. The Carolina Hurricanes were winning Stanley Cups. The Edmonton Oilers were actually good. Man, what's next? Cats chasing dogs? Yeah, no, cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. But, like, Brady Kachuk was just rolling that night, and I feel like the rest of the team kind of let him down. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because outside of, like, the players you mentioned, Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Thomas Shabbat and uh, the suddenly reinvigorated uh, Lindbergh and Gibbons. Kind of, not a lot of jump from the rest of the team. Yeah. And Actually, well, one guy I do want to mention, and I, I always feel I have to mention the goalies, is Anders Nielsen with his 29 Cs, a .906 save percentage. Now, I know that you watched it and I didn't. 
from what I saw, it didn't look like he played too badly, except for on the the first Huberto goal where he got pulled out of position because a lot of the goals were either it was either deflected or it was right in the slot where there was not much he can do. Like he's sort of handcuffed. Yeah. But the Huberto goal, like he pulled himself out of position, which led Huberto to get that goal. Yeah. It's a shame that Ottawa let, because Ottawa did a very good job of like, frankly, Ottawa did do a pretty good job of keeping Florida to the outside. Mm-hmm. But when they did let Brower, Dadnov, and Huberto right in there, it was it was ugly. Oh, it was bad. And and like I said, even though I didn't watch the full game in its entirety, I only condensed watched it. That was the one thing I noticed. And funny enough, Ottawa always seems to play decently against Florida, which is really weird. I I don't know why. There's always like a handful of teams that we always seem to play either well or decent against. Like, Florida has always been one. Detroit has always been one. The next game that we're going to be talking about, that team we always seem to play well against, especially in Michigan. Well, in division. True, but even out of division, right? And some of the West Coast teams we seem to do well against. But I don't know. Maybe it's because we play them so much that we're just so used to knowing how they play, especially Brady to Chuck versus Detroit. Yeah. Like, when the Red Wings get good... Oh, buddy, the Wings and Sens, that's going to be a rivalry. It'll be, a, it'll be fucking fun to watch, though. Zadina hey. versus Dechuk. Oh. And, and if Mark Crawford even sticks around, you know, you can have a retread of the Abs and Red Wings rivalry. Oh, that'd be good. I also wouldn't, well, it would be cool if, like, when uh, Montreal gets good in Kokotekameni uh, and Kachuk. I'm honestly, I'm really excited for, like, if Ottawa actually manages to rebuild, there could be some exciting hockey down the down the pipeline. Oh, I know. And a lot of it's going to be due to Brady DeChuck, but also Thomas Shabbat, too, because DeChuck has the, or not DeChuck, Shabbat has the talent and he has the drive needed to succeed in this league. Mm-hmm. And he's finally starting to get, like, Ottawa's defense is starting to fill out a bit with uh, DeMello and Willan. Mm-hmm. And there's rumors it. that Ottawa might go after Adam Fox as well. I was reading something about that today. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they can fill that up a bit, and, like, with Brandstrom coming out, Ottawa's defense, it might actually be a strength, not a weakness, going forward. They just need to fill out the forward ranks and have the goalies grow up, and Ottawa might not be in a bad position. They'd probably oh, be it'll be a very interesting team. We'll we'll probably have a team full of like two wave wingers and forwards that just happen to mesh well. Mm-hmm. Although I can see like with Brandstrom, Shabbat, Wolanin, they're going to be able to move the puck very well. I know. I can't wait for Shabbat Brandstrom to be a thing. Oh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. And then. I think DeMello Willanen could grow into a very good second line. For sure. And Dylan DeMello, I have been very happy with his play, given that, again, I didn't really have any expectations for him coming into this season, coming over from San Jose. <clears throat> but I think that he's he's fitted well with Thomas Shabbat being the first line anchor for Thomas Shabbat to be the talented player that he needs to be, kind of like what Mark thought was for Eric Carlson. Yeah, and I'm optimistic, to be honest. 
Oh, I know. It's going to be good, man. we got to give it another couple of years, though. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Yep. Well, Tim, it's time to go on to our third and final game of the evening. But before we do that, i got to ask a favor of you, Tim. Uh-huh. Tim, if you want to see me go on to this next game, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, Tim, it's time to start talking about the third and final game of the evening. The fourth and final meeting between the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This game, a 4-2 to two Senators victory. Leafs goals were scored by Austin Matthews and Connor Brown. Senators goals were scored by Anthony Duclair with two, Magnus PRV, and Cody Ceci. Shots were 44-22 for Toronto. Toronto dominated Ottawa in this game with a combination of scoring chances, good puck movement, and Ottawa's terrible play. Despite this, Ottawa seemed to get all the bounces in this game as Toronto had a number of chances that either went wide or stopped by Craig Anderson. Now, Tim, I want to debut something here right now Uh for the Battle of Ontario. Uh Uh-huh. Can I ask you a question? Yes, you may. Did the Ottawa Senators end up winning this game? Of course they did. Hit it! That's right. Suck it, Toronto! Like, to be fair, this is a game that Toronto should should win. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I watched in that, and it's funny, I went to play hockey there today. And I said to one of the guys in the locker room, I said, you know, how the hell is it that Toronto play outplayed us that badly and we still won four to two? It's because they didn't they weren't actually trying that hard. And you could tell it with just kind of lazy shooting, not strong positioning, allowing Ottawa to just kind of if they got the puck, kind of do things. Mm-hmm. It was just lazy. Yeah. And it's kind of telling that they couldn't score until they got gifted a power play. Yeah. And also Garrett Sparks fucking sucks. Like I used to kind of defend Garrett Sparks, but after this game, holy shit. I know. Well, what about that? Was it PRV that he had the spinorama and it just went five hole on him? Yeah. Or Duclair just fired a fucking laser through his legs. Oh, that was nice, though. That was a nice shot. There was not much he could have done on that, to be honest with you. No, it's amazing that Duclair got away on that one. I but know. yeah, like, the PRV goal was sat. The CC goal was really nice, too. And it's funny that Toronto thinks they're putting on the gas, and all of a sudden, not even a minute later after they tie the game, CC puts the game winner up. I know. It was so good. Now let's start talking about some players. Craig Anderson, 42 saves, a .955 save percentage. <clears throat> I thought he was lights out in this game because, honestly, who the fuck else was going to be lights out in this game? Bud Killer Magnus PRV. Don't you mean the Bud Busters of Magnus PRV and Anthony Duclair? But mm-hmm. let me talk, let me ask you a question, Tim. Uh-huh. Is it really a Sens victory over Toronto if Magnus PRV doesn't score two goals? I think we'll take it. He has five goals in four games against the Maple Leafs. True. He just traded one to score on the Sabres. It's fair. 
That's true. Actually, and you know what's funny? That was my note about Magnus Pierre's goals. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it really a sense victory over Toronto if he doesn't score two? That was all the note I had right there. But also, like, if I'm if I'm Mike Babcock, I'd be a little worried that Toronto could only muster five shots on three power play attempts against the worst penalty kill in the league. Like it, especially where one of your penalties was pretty much just two in a row. It's really sad. Yeah. Uh, a couple other players I want to talk about. Anthony Duclair, two goals and an assist. To me, he was really the only bright spot offensively for the Senators in this game. I Outside of, like, obviously, Magnus Pierre, we had the spin around, and Cody Cece sniped at top shelf, but consistently, Duclair was the best player for us in this game. Oh, yeah. But I think that whole Duclair Lindbergh pay RB line played very well. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? That's the one note that I did put in this is that I really like that third line. And I really like the fact that Anthony Duclair really stepped up, PRV stepped up, and they ended up, and they combined for three goals in this game. Although, to be perfectly fair, Patrick Marlowe really fucking sucks nowadays. He does. Like, yeah, he has really fallen off a cliff since getting that contract in Toronto. Yeah, but he's also old. And, like, I feel really weird saying this, but I feel like he's dragging Nazem Kadri down. Yeah, I could, I could fight, believe that. That's just a weird sentence, though. It is. But yeah, like the Smith line and the White line got eaten alive by Tavares and Matthews. Like it's I true, just, and even Austin Matthews, like he had seven shots in this game, and he only mustered the one goal. Yeah, and <coughs> to be fair. A lot of Matthews' goals, like his shots, he only really got up and close once. True. It was a lot of shooting from around the dots. Yeah, and I feel that for Toronto, Mitch Marner should have at least had two in this game because he was right in front of the net and some of his deflections went wide. Yeah, they, some of them were pretty nasty, to be honest. I know, and you know what? It, it, it pains me to say it because, you know, I really like Mitch Marner as a person. You know, he just seems like a really good guy from all the stories we've talked about, but I'm glad that he didn't score in this game. Yeah. Well, I, wouldn't, just... I don't want to say negative things about Mitch Marner, given all the good things that he does. True. But think about it this way. He did a good thing for us. He sent a lot of Leaf fans home sad. And he also gave them the ability to leave the game early, not double back to the 416, instead take Highway 7. That'll get you back to the, four, the 401 and get make good time on a Saturday night. Why do I feel that we should have had the um, Parliament Hills, you know, the ding, 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 plague right as you said that? You can always edit that in. True. But honestly... As much as I like this victory, fucking hate when the Leafs come to town because you always get, like, there's just so many stories about Leaf fans just being utter fucking pricks in someone else's building. Yeah, and that's why I despise the Leafs as a fan base. And actually, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about that because the note I have in in my notes right now, it's called, Why I Despise the Leaf Fans. They chanted, sell your team within the first five minutes. And the fan gave the Senators the middle finger, right in front of kids, by the way. 
Yeah, no, it's like a four too. It's gutless and tasteless. I and know. honestly, I know that even Adam sent me that screenshot, and he says maybe do it as your cover photo for this week. Or... And so maybe. I said, no, I could do you one better. Uh huh. So I said, so I tweeted it out. I, I, you know, I said at you know Adam Young, whatever, and I said, uh, when you remind the least that at least Ottawa beat the Bruins in the first round. Ooh. And this really where it's like just the lack of class. You go into someone else's building, like just let them do the chanting for fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of laughed because Ottawa fans started chanting the sell your team as well. Yeah. I mean, but somebody on Twitter says maybe next time the Leaf fans should start chanting Melnick out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about the Leaf fans. And given that I've seen a Sens game with the Montreal Canadiens in town and the Hab fans around, I have a, I have a new appreciation for the Habs fans, even though I despise the Montreal Canadiens as a team. I can't despise the fan base because they were they were pretty respective respectful when I saw them in Ottawa a few years ago. I don't know what it is about Habs fans. I guess it's, I feel like Habs fans have this sense of responsibility that they're a fan of this storied franchise, so they better treat it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think Urinating Tree put it best where he's talking about the Montreal Canadiens. He goes, look, Canadians, the true and only holy place of hockey. Don't let those ingrates in Toronto tell you differently. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's almost like a Yankees versus Brooklyn sort of thing. Like, you, you have mean, that... Do you mean Yankees versus Red Sox? Yeah, that too. But it's like you have, like, kind of obnoxious folks from Brooklyn versus... Well, I don't fans. know. I mean, the Yankee fans are pretty obnoxious, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah you're well, right. Well, some of them are Boston Red Sox fans, too. But, you know, then again, not everybody can be Trevor Shackles and be very respectful. True. But I yeah. think that... Like, I think Habs fans, for being a, a group of a major sports team fans, are surprisingly good about that sort of thing. True. I don't know what it is about Leaf fans, man. I mean, oh, yeah, we talking, the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal fans are at least are respectful when they come to other people's buildings. I mean, sure, when they play the, 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 play the Sens, like, they definitely outnumber the Ottawa fans. There's no question about that because they are the Montreal Canadiens. But yeah, the Leaf fans are just, they outnumber us, but they're just so obnoxious about it. That honestly, I'm surprised Leaf fans have never gotten punched out in the Canadian Tiger Center from Senator fans, just for how they are. I don't know, I just feel like most people, if, like especially season ticket holders, if you throw a punch, your season tickets are gone, so it's just not worth it. Well, what the fuck do the Leaf fans care? And it's sure. just that lack of basic respect. And I guess a chip on their shoulder for not doing anything of significance since there was more than six teams in the league makes a pretty toxic toxic combination. Not sure, but in, but in fairness, neither have the New York Rangers. They really haven't done anything of note except for winning the Cup in 94. Well, they won the Cup in 94. The Rangers have actually been good for the last 10 years. Made it to the Stanley Cup finals once or twice. So it's like, it's nothing to sniff at. Like... When Ali and Vigneault was at the head of the Rangers, they played very well. So there was actually good hockey to cheer about, and they won the cup in living memory. Yeah. I guess for me, and I always said this, is that 
Leaf fans were terrible when the team was awful, and now they're just so insufferable now that the team's good. And it's funny because I don't think they realize how fleeting this Leafs are. I wonder how fleeting Leafs being good actually is. Yeah, because you know what? You can have all these wins in the regular season, but the one thing that Ottawa fans can always hold against them is, yeah, well, you know, you never beat the Bruins in the first round. And that's funny because, you know, Ottawa, you know, we seem to have no problem beating them in the first round. Mm -hmm. With the former Maple Leaf, I might add. (laughs) Oh, I miss you, Clark. Me too. But it's... I don't know. It's the set, the salary cap comes for all of us. True, and I mean Tampa Bay is going to hit fucking hit hard in the next couple of years with the salary cap. It'll be amazing to see what kind of moves they can actually make. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame for them that uh, yeah, it's gone because I felt I feel like he'd be able to really navigate that well. <laughs> Toronto's in a rough spot, although managing to get a like getting. Getting Jake Muzzin at a steal at $4 million definitely helps. It does. Think, but the then, thing is, is that, you know, you have all that money tied up up front. Okay, so you have, say, 11 for math or not 11 for, 11 for Tavares. You have your money for Matthews. You have your money that's going to be tied up for Marner. And Muzzin's a very good defenseman. And Morgan Riley, you have him there. Okay, well, how are you going to flesh out the rest of the team from there? Well, it's you know what? You can, you can score all the goals you want, but if you don't have solid defense, the other team can probably can score more goals than you can. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, Jake Gardner's going to get paid. Yeah, whether Leaf fans like it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Mitch Marner's going to get paid too. Yeah, I know. Which I'm cool yeah. with. I like Mitch Marner. You know, he's a good mm-hmm. player, good person, and. You know, I'd probably be buddies with him, to be honest with you. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Then Actually, Sparks, I do, do want to make one note here. And it was in the third period. The penalties against Brian Gibbons and Brady Tachuk. Ottawa really shot themselves in the foot with them, especially with the Tachuk penalty, which I don't know about you, but you could really kind of argue that shouldn't have been a penalty, given that the defenseman was holding a stick. Yeah, I thought that was super chintz. Because it was like it wasn't even it was blatant stick holding, and like if the ref had called it, I'm sure like the interference wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was too like and that gift wrapped it Maple Leafs a goal. Like that was just chance. Yeah, but you know what, Tim? At the end of the day, we ended up getting the victory, and I'm proud to say, Tim, we won the Battle of Ontario. For the 2018-2019 season. Yeah. I I still don't know how the hell they did that. But they managed and that's it. It just, it just feels so good, Tim. It's just so fucking funny. I know. You know what? I can... I can overlook the fact that we got outplayed in this game. But at the end of the day, we ended up getting the W. Leaf fans went home sad. Nothing I can really complain about, Tim. Honestly, perfectly fair. Yeah. 
Well, Tim, I don't have any more notes. If you want to head off into the close for another night. Yeah, sounds good, man. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at thirdlinepluggers or Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger and I'm at greatwhitegipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about us winning the Battle of Ontario for the 2018-2019 season, choose an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so to close out this season, we've got four games on the schedule. We've got tonight's game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I just want to say right now, first of all, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on their 60th win of the season. We ended up losing 5-2 to to them tonight. Wednesday, we are in New York to play the Rangers. Thursday, we're in Buffalo to play the Sabres. And Saturday, the season finale, the return of Duchesne and Dezingle against the Blue Jackets. How many points does the Lightning need to tie the record? Uh, they just need two more wins. The record oh. is 62. They can do it. Yeah. Actually, before we go for another night, Tim, and I know that I mentioned this before we hit record for this segment. So our Twitter account, at Thirdline Plug on Twitter, we sent out a tweet to Brady to check. Yep. After the game that he had 12 shots. Or should I say, I sent out a tweet. I said, hey, at Brady DeChuck71, if you ever want to come on the podcast to chat, let us know. We would love to have you on. I ended up getting a response from a Patterson062487 who responded with, I am a Brady fan. Want me to come on? I love talking about our elite prospects, many draft picks, Character veterans and an owner committed to winning. Hashtag no sends go. My response? Nice try, Eugene. That's so weird. I but, can't believe what one of the Melnick bots got to us. Yeah. But like have you like part of me want like Yeah, it's just so weird. Cause like it's an obvious new account from March twenty-third. Just yeah. Pro Melnick, and like the most recent tweet is talking about how tasty one of the new food items in at the CTC is. Which, I mean, to be fair, it is tasty. Can't take that away from them. True. But yeah, Melnick bots, weird shit. I know. Man, Melnick bots, nice try though. Nice try. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. And it got me on fire.